Hey, thank you so much for joining with us wherever you are and whomever you are with. Uh, I just want to exhort everyone who hears my voice. If you call Life Church your church home or it's your faith community, uh, your place of worship, where you're planted, where you invest, where you look to be a vital part, uh, we want to exhort you once again today on the front end of this year, find or form a community group. No matter the size, shape, or scope, we've heard lots of different ideas. Well, our house isn't big enough, or, well, we don't know what this is going to look like, or we don't know. Listen, wherever you can gather with others, allow yourself to be known at a level that is, quite frankly, uncomfortable. (laughs) Get to know others that you may not have otherwise known. We believe and we have seen that such an environment creates a space where people get to know God, where where vibrant community and personal transformation, Jesus Christ in essence, becomes alive and well. We've heard stories, we've heard wonderful things about people who are making this effort to invest in our innovation to our scriptural roots here in these community groups. But here's the thing, you have to make the effort. I know that it lacks a familiarity. It's not as easy as rolling into a church building and, and just doing what you've always done. I know too that there's a higher threshold of cost. You can't just wander in and not be known. Uh, there are awkwardnesses, no question. Uh, there are conversations that might get a little bit too close. Their practical presence of God is indeed different than when we gather in corporate worship together. But the fruit of such availability is completely unquestioned. It's where the scriptures say things as the prophet speaks, here I am, send me. It's the disciples' response to Jesus as he says, follow me, that they immediately drop their nets. They, they go. They offer not their talents, not their giftings, not the perfect hospitality. They, they offer their availability and God does something miraculous. Whether you're still not feeling comfortable because of rising numbers and all that we have and we are navigating this season, we have some virtual community groups and we have in-person community groups. But again, find or form your community group. If you need help finding or forming, reach out to us at info@lifechurchvirginia.com. We will do our best to get you planted or help you get started. And we're looking forward to honestly seeing vibrant community and personal transformation as people gather together in this season. Let's get into our conversation. We're continuing our, our series today, Stories, because God doesn't want to entertain us. He wishes to involve us. As we work to make the most of this environment of community groups gathering together, we're gathered around a specific style of scriptures, uh, the stories of Jesus, the, the parables. And I mentioned this last week, but I want to reiterate it today. Make no mistake, God wants to make his witness a reality, but he doesn't do it rudely. He invites, he asks others to get involved. Throughout the scriptures, God constantly influences. He preaches, he teaches, he proclaims, he speaks from a donkey, he speaks from a burning bush, angelic hosts, there are shepherd boys, there are all kinds of things that God uses. And in the person of Jesus Christ, he uses stories. He speaks in parables because the parabolic way is inclusive. You don't just hear Jesus telling a story, you begin to see yourself in the environment, in the illustration, in the opportunity that God is giving you. 
God tells stories not because he wishes to entertain us, but because he wants to involve us. Last week, we looked at the parable of the Good Samaritan taken from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Maybe as we work through that and you spoke with others at your community group about it, you saw yourself perhaps as the one who was lying in the ditch. Maybe you saw yourself as the Good Samaritan or, or part of the Good Samaritan. Maybe you realized in that moment, man, I'm more Levite and priest than I want to admit. That is the beauty and the power and the transformational ability of not just reading the scriptures, but letting the scriptures read you. This is why we've sent out the reading schedule and we've told you ahead of what we're going to be preaching about, what scriptures we're going to be unpacking, because we want you to engage. We want you to let those scriptures read you and allow the Spirit of God to transform you where you are. Make space for God's Holy Spirit to speak. Uh, today, we're looking at Luke uh, chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. We're going to enter into a conversation I'm calling a story about needy friends, us all. A story about needy friends, us all. So Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. Now Jesus was in a, a certain place praying. And when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he, Jesus, said to them, which of you who has a friend? Just pause for a minute. Remember, Jesus was praying. Put a pin in that. We'll come back to it. And then the disciples ask, hey, teach us how to do that. Teach us how to pray. Jesus doesn't just teach them. He doesn't just give them three points and say, this is how you do it. He gives them a form. He, he tells them how to do it. And then he tells a story. He's wanting to invite them in more. He says to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For I have a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Anybody else agree? This guy needs some new friends. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Verse 10. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, maybe at this moment, you want to just pause. We're going to pray together. But before we get into some of my thoughts on this parable, maybe you want to have a conversation with those around you. How do you read the scriptures? You've been looking at it this week. What is your takeaway? What has God spoken to you? And work through and actually cultivate community in your community group. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, please speak to me and through me. Listen through each of us that so we may hear your word and respond according to your word. Mold us, shape us, make us more into your image. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. This passage starts with the comment, after Jesus prayed. 
after Jesus prayed, which is a beautiful reminder that we ourselves should do what our Savior walks in. If Jesus needed to pray, we would be well served to pray as well. But it says after he's done praying in a certain place, Jesus is asked by one of his disciples, hey, teach us to pray. And again, as I mentioned earlier, he teaches them. He, he gives them a form and a shape that can be slipped into for intimate connection. But then he tells a story. Jesus doesn't just answer the question. He invites all those gathered around him to enter in even further. He gives those listening and us who are paying attention today a parable so we can further enter in. And there are two illustrations that Jesus speaks to, bread and intimacy. The friend and the father would be two people within the parable that Jesus offers to his disciples. An acutely applicable theme is neediness. The disciple asks about prayer and Jesus starts talking about neediness, not helplessness, not hopelessness. These are different things altogether. Uh, helplessness is where you can't do anything. Uh, hopelessness is where nothing can be done at all. Neediness is when something must be done. Us in America, we don't like neediness. We equate being poor in spirit or finances, neediness in relationships, neediness in every frame in any facet of our lives as something to be avoided, as something to be ignored, as something to quite honestly act like isn't there. If we're in need, we've done something wrong. Enter the imperative language. As Jesus gives us the neediness, he starts to use different words. And again, God is giving us something for reality, not so that we can be rude. In verses uh, three and four, in the prayer portion, Jesus says, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our, sin, our sins. We ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not in temptation. The imperative. Jesus is suggesting that in the prayers of the disciples, they aren't just to ask eloquently and put question marks all over the place, but Jesus is saying, ask, seek, and knock. And in fact, he uses this language further down within the story. Verse nine, and I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. So as with anything that Jesus speaks to, I would suggest today that we need a reframing. We need a reframing. Just like that dilapidated thing that's hanging off the back of my house that some people call a deck, it needs a little attention. It needs work so we can actually go out and enjoy it. Reframing. Just like the overgrown park that sometimes we gather around and work and walk past uh, that needs effort so it can uh, become a place of play where kids can laugh and smile again. You ever seen those parks that are just overgrown and, and broken down? So do people around us and our lives included need to become more than just liberal and conservative. People need to become more than mask wearing or mask mocking. People need to become more than for us or against us. And maybe I've already stepped on toes. And to be honest, I don't really care because I'm not here with you. Your community group can deal with that later. It's so easy. It's so easy. Dare I say it's even lazy to depersonalize, to devalue, to dehumanize 
people. When we do such things, we no longer have to deal with them and their humanity. We don't have to deal with them as people. I see this so often in marriages. And people come in and they want to have a marriage counseling session with me and they sit on opposite ends of the couch and they refer to each other as names or him and her. No longer my husband, my wife, my spouse. They don't use words or terms of endearment because they have already devalued. They have dehumanized. They have backed away from what has drawn them close. And what happens is when you begin to do that to somebody, whether it's that intimate relationship of a spouse or that person you see at the store or someone you worship with or you're a friend with or whatever, all of a sudden their ideas, their contributions, their perspectives, their opinions, they don't matter. They don't matter anymore. They're less than. The Fehrenbach family made a decision in August or September of this year. I I don't know if it was a good one. Only time will bear it out. But we bought a dog. Uh, We got a a COVID dog, Ginger. She's she's awesome. Uh, She's a cockapoo. She's smart as a whip. But at the end of the day, what she wants to do, even though she's a member of the Fehrenbach family, doesn't matter. She doesn't enter into the conversation of where we're going to go for the afternoon or what we're going to have for dinner or are we going to watch the Cavs game or are we going to watch the Browns game? Or we gonna... Ginger doesn't get a voice at the table. That's what happens when you devalue people. They become less than. It's interesting when Jesus is asked the question of how to pray, he tells stories about needs. Community over commodity. I would suggest to you today, we need to take those we've depersonalized, we've dehumanized, we've devalued, and we need to go one more into the way of Jesus and actually re-neighbor those people. Because when our collective neediness is acknowledged and accepted, we will all find ourselves falling into one of two sorts, either or really truly both and, but at different times. For the whole of our lives in a very much shuffled manner, at times we're able to meet needs. At other times, we ourselves are in need. I would suggest too, it isn't just our fellow humans who need re-neighboring a given of worth, a value, a, a place in the pantheon of our consideration. We do a similar deep personalizing work with God himself. And I've mentioned this twice before, but I just want to say it again. God wants to be with us in our reality, but he refuses to do that in a rude manner. Throughout the scriptures, we see Jesus speaking into context when he is invited. We see Jesus responding to dinner parties. We see Jesus going to heal people. We see Jesus crossing stormy seas to get to people because he has been invited. God does not bully his way into our lives. And so the reality of his witness is true and beautiful, but it's never rude. Sometimes I've I wonder why we wait for God to come barreling down our door when he doesn't ever do that sort of thing. And so what happens is we can depersonalize God. We can make him small. We can make him into just this little disconnected reality. We reduce God to principles, to ideas, to truths, to bold and stark lines. Quite simply, we reduce God to being a thing. 
now we use religious language like beliefs and doctrines, but we reduce God to a thing that create contentions, devolving us to just conversations around right or wrong. But God doesn't introduce himself as any of that. Jesus teaches how to pray. And he tells a story about the neediness of a friend and how to relate to a father and a son. God is introduced to us in Isaiah 7 and Matthew chapter 1 as Emmanuel. God with us. In John chapter 1, we have really a poetic introduction of Jesus. Just listen to this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in the name of God, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And here's where I want to land. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God does not stand far off from us within a principal form. He's not just a truth and a bold and stark line thing that a belief and a doctrine can then produce. God comes to us to dwell among us, and he has done that in the person of Jesus Christ. Eugene Peterson writes this in his book, Tell It Slant. When we deal with God, we are not dealing with a spiritual principle, a religious idea, an ethical cause, or a mystical feeling. We are dealing personally with Jesus, who is dealing personally with us. So today, I want to remind you, maybe tell you for the first time, or, or just land this, sink this deep in your soul. Jesus Christ wants to personally, he desperately wants to personally deal with you today. And when you hear me say that, I don't mean correct you until the end of time. I don't mean make you into somebody that you're not. I mean, encourage you to all that God has for you. Jesus Christ desperately wants to deal with you personally in the middle of your mess, in the marriage, in the circumstances, in a, oh, I don't know, worldwide pandemic, upheaval, whatever is going on in your life. Jesus Christ wants to personally deal with you. And secondly, don't run from your needs. Don't be afraid of those things that really ultimately at the end of the day make you human because all of us have in common the fact that we have needs. Let them lead you to imperative connection with Christ and with community. This week, I want to encourage you as well to refresh the, the practice of prayer and meditation. Our worlds are so busy and so fast-paced, especially in the beginning of the new year as we're all feeling like we're a couple weeks behind. 
get to a place where you can hear the voice of God. Because again, while God wants his reality withness to be known by you, he will never do it in a rude way. You have to stop yourself. You have to slow down enough so that you can hear his voice again. Refresh that practice of prayer and meditation. Let me leave you with this benediction. May we not shy away from our neediness, but may we ask, seek, and knock in places and spaces that will help us grow to be more connected to God, more connected to others. And may we remember that with Jesus, it only gets better.